Letter twenty six of Letters from Egypt by Lady Lucy Duff Gordon. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. To Sir Alexander Duff Gordon, on board the steamer near Siut, Sunday, January third, eighteen sixty four. Dearest Alec, we left Cairo last Sunday morning, and a wonderfully queer company we were. I had been promised all the steamer to myself, but owing to Ishmael Pasha's caprices, our little steamer had to do the work of three, i.e., to carry passengers, to tow Monsieur Monnier's dahabiyah, and to tow the oldest, dirtiest, queerest Nubian boat, in which the young son of the Sultan of Darfur and the Sultan's envoy, a handsome black of Dongola, not a negro, had visited Ishmael Pasha. The best cabin was taken by a sulky old one-eyed Turkish Pasha, so I had the fore-cabin, luckily a large one, where I slept with Sally on one divan and I on the other, and Omar at my feet. He tried sleeping on deck, but the Pasha's Arnots were too bad company, and the captain begged me to cover my face and let my servant sleep at my feet. Besides, there was a poor old asthmatic Turkish effendi going to collect the taxes, and a lot of women in the engine-room, and children also. It would have been insupportable but for the hearty politeness of the Arab captain, a regular old salt, and owing to his attention and care it was only very amusing. At Beni Souf, the first town above Cairo, seventy miles, we found no coals. The pasha had been up and taken them all. So we kicked our heels on the bank all day, with the prospect of doing so for a week. The captain brought his royal highness of Darfur to visit me, and to beg me to make him hear reason about the delay, as I, being English, must know that a steamer could not go without coals. His Royal Highness was a pretty, imperious little nigger about eleven or twelve, dressed in a yellow silk caftan and a scarlet bernoise, who cut the good old captain short by saying, Why, she is a woman, she can't talk to me. Walla, walla, what a way to a talk to an English harem, shrieked the captain, who was about to lose his temper, but I had a happy idea and produced a box of French sweetmeats, which altered the young prince's views at once. I asked if he had brothers. Who can count them? They are like mice. He said that the pasha had given him only a few presents, and was evidently not pleased. Some of his suite are the most formidable-looking wild beasts in human shape I have ever beheld, bulldogs and wild boars black as ink, red-eyed, and, ye gods, such jowls and throats and teeth, others like monkeys, with arms down to their knees." The Illyrian Arnots on board our boat are revoltingly white, like fish or drowned people, no pink in the tallowy skin at all. There were Greeks also who left us at Minia, second large town, and the old pasha left this morning at Rhoda. The captain at once ordered all my goods into the cabin he had left, and turned out the Turkish effendi, who wanted to stay and sleep with us. No impropriety. He said he was an old man and sick, and my company would be agreeable to him. Then he said he was ashamed before the people to be turned out by an Englishwoman. So I was civil, and begged him to pass the day and to dine with me, and that set all right, and now, after dinner, he has gone off quite pleasantly to the fore-cabin and left me here. I have a stern cabin, a saloon, and an ante-room here, so we are comfortable enough. Only the fleas! Never till now did I know what fleas could be, even Omar groaned and tossed in his sleep, and Sally and I woke every ten minutes. Perhaps this cabin may be better. Some fleas may have landed in the beds of the Turks. 
I send a dish from my table every day henceforth to the captain. As I take the place of a pasha, it is part of my dignity to do so, and as I occupy the kitchen and burn the ship's coals, I may as well let the captain dine a little at my expense. In the day I go up and sit in his cabin on deck, and we talk as well as we can without an interpreter. The old fellow is sixty-seven, but does not look more than forty-five. He has just the air and manner of a seafaring man with us, and has been wrecked four times, the last in the Black Sea during the Crimean War, when he was taken prisoner by the Russians and sent to Moscow for three years, until the peace. He has a charming boy of eleven with him, and he tells me he has twelve children in all, but only one wife, and is as strict a monogamist as Dr. Primrose, for he told me he should not marry again if she died, nor, he believed, would she. He is surprised at my gray hair. There are a good many cops on board, too, of a rather low class and not pleasant. The Christian gentlemen are very pleasant, but the low are low indeed compared to the Muslimin, and one gets a feeling of dirtiness about them to see them eat all among the coals, and then squat there and pull out their beads to pray without washing their hands even. It does look nasty when compared to the Muslim coming up clean-washed, and standing erect and manly, looking to his prayers. Besides, they are coarse in their manner and conversation, and have not the Arab respect for women. I only speak of the common people, not of educated cops. The best fun was to hear the Greeks, one of whom spoke English, abusing the cops, rogues, heretics, schismatics from the Greek church, ignorant, rapacious, cunning, impudent, etc., etc. In short, they narrated the whole fable about their own sweet selves. I am quite surprised to see how well these men manage their work. The boat is quite as clean as an English boat, as crowded could be kept, and the engine in beautiful order. The head engineer, Ahmed Effendi, and indeed all the crew and captain, too, wear English clothes and use the universal all right, stopper, fura, full speed, half speed, turn her head, etc. I was delighted to hear all right, go ahead, el fatha, in one breath. Here we always say the fatha, first chapter of the Koran, nearly identical with the Lord's Prayer, when starting on a journey, concluding a bargain, etc. The combination was very quaint. There are rats and fleas on board, but neither bugs nor cockroaches. Already the climate has changed, the air is sensibly drier and cleaner and the weather much warmer, and we are not yet at Siut. I remarked last year that the climate changed most at Kenna, forty miles below Thebes. The banks are terribly broken and washed away by the inundation, and the Nile far higher even now than it was six weeks earlier last year. At Beni Souf, which used to be the great cattle place, not a buffalo was left, and we could not get a drop of milk. But since we left Minia we see them again, and I hear the disease is not spreading up the river. Omar told me that the poor people at Beni Souf were complaining of the drought and prospect of scarcity, as they could no longer water the land for want of oxen. I paid ten Napoleons passage money, and shall give four or five more as bakshish, as I have given a good deal of trouble with all my luggage, beddings, furniture, provisions for four months, etc., and the boat's people have been more than civil, really kind and attentive to us, but a bad dahabiyah would have cost forty, so I am greatly the gainer. Nothing can exceed the muddle, uncertainty, and carelessness of the administration at Cairo. No coals at the depots, boats announced to sail and dwaddling on three weeks, 
no order and no care for anybody's convenience but the Pasha's own. But the subordinates on board the boats do their work perfectly well. We go only half as quickly as we ought, because we have two very heavy dahabiyas in tow instead of one. But no time is lost. As long as the light lasts we go, and start again as soon as the moon rises. The people on board have promoted me in rank, and call me El Amira, an obsolete Arab title which the engineer thinks is the equivalent of Lady Sheep, as he calls it. Siti, he said, was the same as Mises. I don't know how he acquired his ideas on the subject of English precedents. Omar has just come in with coffee, and begs me to give his best salam to his big master and his little master and lady, and not to forget to tell them he is their servant and my memluk, slave, from one hand to the other, the whole body. If we stay at Siut, I will ride a donkey up to Wasaf's house, and leave this letter for him to send down with his next opportunity to Cairo. At Kenna we must try to find time to buy two filters and some gelas, water-coolers. They are made there. At Thebes nothing can be got. How I do wish you were here to enjoy all the new and strange sights. I am sure it would amuse you, and as the fleas don't bite you, there would be no drawback. Janet sent me a photo of dear little Rainy. It is ugly, but very like the Zuwaya, little one. Give her no end of kisses, and thank her for the cock-robin, which pleased me quite as much as she thought it would. End of letter 26. Read by Sibella Denton. All LibriVox files are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.